Hey everyone, welcome back to Behind the GM Screen. I'm Richard. Sequard Draven. And today we are talking about story weaving. Or to elaborate the, the title that we thought was not going to be good as it was too long, weaving the player decisions back into the story that you're running. So, um, what do you think about railroading? It's a quick way to get a player to be frustrated with the game and have negative experiences and not want to play anymore. Yeah. I, uh, I've said that I'm a bad player sometimes. Yes. And um, one of the quickest ways to get me to uh, come up with reasons to not be able to ever play a game again <laughs> is if I feel like my decisions as a player are being ignored and that the story is going to happen the same way no matter what I do. Yes. And that happens in even in video games. If, mm -hmm. if in a video game I do something and the game lets me think that I had agency, that I could make a decision that made that mattered. If they ignore it in the rest of the game, I don't care anymore. Yeah. I'm done. I'm out of the game. Of course. And there's the difference in why we are playing at a table with a group of people weaving a story than in a video game. At least uh that, that should be the difference. Yes. It's not always what happens. <laughs> it's not always what happens. So I knew it. So I think that what story weaving can truly contribute to the game, because many GMs would like if the players just took the bait, did the thing that they were supposed to do, and called it done. It'd be nice once in a while. You, you, you think it would be, but... The advantage of story weaving is when the players do something unexpected. And if you, if you have an idea what the rest of the world is like, the rest, rest of the world being what the players can't see. The mm -hmm. players can't see what's happening in the room next to them, right. but the players decide to go in that room. And if you already have this idea that there's a group of criminal underworld people playing cards in that room... It's magical. Mm -hmm. They may have never gone there, but they did. What happens now? When that happens, it offers an opportunity to tell stories that are truly unique and memorable, and the players suddenly forget that they're sitting at a table, and they start to think, my character's there, and... There's a whole world to experience and explore. And that's not really true. But <laughs> um, but there's enough of the world mm -hmm. that you, if you truly know your material, that you can, uh, you can give them. You can give them more exposure than what they expected. Absolutely. So we had a few scenarios, and we thought we'd share a couple stories. And... As we go through, we may uh, probably meander a little bit, <laughs> as we do. As you shared gaming stories, there's always rambling. Always rambling. Um, but this is just the first of probably a few times we revisit this topic, because I think, like we started off with, this is why people quit playing. Mm -hmm. And they say, this, um, 
this hard-coded experience that ignores what I want to do is inferior to a video game. And I often feel like it's inferior. Like when I'm being railroaded, I will just say, you know, if with a video game, it has graphics and special effects and I don't have to like, I don't leave ex like socially exhausted. Right. The only advantage of tabletop role playing is the interactive storytelling. Absolutely. So, um, people would say oh, like, well, but it's also social. Yeah. But I could just drink at my bar. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, you know, I don't need this. I, I could drink socially while playing a video game. So it's the storytelling that is unique to this medium. And I just love it so much. And I, I feel sad when people are really experiencing a board game of the mind and that's okay. They can have fun however they want to have fun. But, uh, the storytelling is what I love the most. Yes. So d did you want to start us off with a story or you want to skip straight to a, a, a scenario? Let's go straight to a scenario. All right. So you're running the game and you have this idea that the players have to get through maybe a captain, the guard through a gate. Um, and you, in your head, you're like, these guys are always going to give them like a tough time and the players murder them and hide the body. And you're like, well, okay, that's not what would ever happen in real life. Like if I did that at Sam's club, there'd probably be consequences. Mm -hmm. So how do you handle that scenario when somebody that you had kind of a, like a fleshed out story, you thought this was going to go somewhere. They're a recurring character and they murder them. Well, I think we've all been in the tables where unexpectedly an NPC dies and you can see it on the GM's face. Uh, for me, I had, I had a, a NPC in mind that I wanted to do a lot with and the players did murder him almost outright. Yeah. Because they weren't listening to the clues. And so instead of being upset about that, well, now the NPC has a brother that's going to hunt the players and figure out what happened. And it creates, well, I didn't have this fully fleshed out to begin with, but yeah. now, now you've create your decisions have now created something hunting you or someone depends. I think that that's a, uh, that's a fantastic way of flipping the tables mm -hmm. because normally the players are hired to murder some villains and in a sense to the family of that murdered NPC, yes. the players are the villains mm -hmm. and to randomly get ambushed and they're like, wait, we're trying to like solve the mystery of the, the prince's like, um, like, I don't know, corruption. So w us being ambushed must be related to mm -hmm. that. Oh no. Yeah. No, that you're being ambushed because of your actions two adventures ago. Yes. And it can create player, player paranoia, which I love. Yeah. Um, but also it makes them a little more conscious of their decisions, but it can create something really fun and uh, unexpected down the line for both the GM and the players. And maybe they explain what happened and they can convince the brother that it was an accident. I always give my players the chance to talk their way mm -hmm. out of a fight. Or maybe they 
then murder the brother and <laughs> I'll just keep expanding it. But sure. it, you know, it's, it's those, it's those things where, yeah, I had an NPC and he got murdered. So then the NPC ended up not with a brother, but it was a sister that was hunting for the answers. And they had, and like kept her just in and out of where they were going for like many scenarios. And it, they, they didn't understand where this was coming from. <laughs> Because they didn't remember. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, as a GM, you can create depth to your game with that simple technique. I think, uh, I think the, the key there um, is to enjoy it as a GM, mm -hmm. not get frustrated. Because it's so easy. You have all the power. Yeah. Um, I actually think the GM has some of the least amount of power. Uh, and we can have like a whole topic about oh, that. Oh, that's a topic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, I think that the the GM can get angry mm -hmm. and then think I'm going to punish the punish the players for their actions immediately. Right. And so they they go to the next town and suddenly they're ambushed. Yes. And they're like, and he's like, yeah, see, like. Now you learned not to do that again. Well, no, that's not how life works. No. It takes time. Absolutely. You, um, you know, if you ever go into the shady parts of town to hire someone to murder someone, it's <laughs> not quick to hire, like, the best of the best. You get the, like, lamos first. So um, <laughs> it doesn't make sense for them to get ambushed necessarily right away by somebody important with lots of resources. So drag it out. Drag mm -hmm. it out over many, many games. And that's that's what breeds in the depth. Because one scenario, one, one encounter, they're probably not even going to realize what happened or care. Yeah. They're just going to think free experience or something. Except in White Wolf, you don't even get experience for combat. So it's... <laughs> that's. I have amended rules, but that's another scenario. Oh, I mean, but it's like it's up to you. Yeah. As GM. Mm-hmm. As opposed to um, a more combat-based role-playing game where the mere act of shedding blood gives you experience points. Yeah. So. And being an adaptive GM, remember, you do hold the secrets. If they didn't know that NPC was going to be someone of importance, change the story and reinvent that NPC somewhere else. Yeah. It's never a real loss to you. Exactly. <laughs> you have infinite numbers of, of But NPCs. utilizing it to show the players that they're deeper storylines, deeper consequences yeah. to just murdering a random guard or what they perceived as a random guard will then later on make them question their choices. And yeah. that's always a beautiful thing to see. So the second scenario we have is what if the player betrays the quest giver? So they've, they've recovered the crown and they're supposed to bring it back to the Duke. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, the crown is actually probably worth more than whatever it is that that Duke was supposed to give them. So instead they're like, yeah, we're just going to melt it down and sell it off. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's something that whether, whether the crown was originally stolen and the crown is a, the Duke is a good person or the Duke is a criminal and he's trying to like mm -hmm. claim kingdom by, you know, by having the, the crown. Um, it happens that mercenaries, turn on their their uh their employer oh yes 
but how, but if you're not ready for it as the, as the GM, it, um, it can wreck your, your next storyline that you Mm -hmm. might've put a lot of work into. I always try to be ready for it, and that may be because I run... What does that say about your players? <laughs> it may be because I run primarily a pirate game. So at the base level of my game, the players never know who's an ally and who's an enemy. Mm-hmm. So my prime example is the very first mission that I always run with new groups. Um, the mission giver is a pirate captain that the players know is significant, And he sends them off to recover a ship that's faster than his. And the players have two choices. They are led to believe that they need to recover the goods without using cannons on the ship because the cargo is precious. And then they are to return it to his hiding place. Mm -hmm. Well, if the players decide, and this has happened, if the players decide to use cannons during the combat, I only remind them of that once. Mm -hmm. If they decide to use cannons and the precious cargo is harmed, or they decide that they want to just take everything and go because they've already been paid, um, that NPC becomes an enemy, a very powerful enemy. Mm -hmm. Or that NPC, if they return the cargo unharmed, that NPC becomes their greatest ally. So I'm always prepared for both sides of it Mm -hmm. because I've had too many players who take an NPC and they're not necessarily playing an evil game, Yeah, but they'll unexpectedly be like, well, let's just keep the money and the loot and just sail off into the sunset. Okay. (laughs) So I've learned that I need to adapt that my NPCs can go either way. I definitely think that um, you mentioned paranoia before, hmm. and I think that, um, a lot of GMs use the tool of paranoia all the time, maybe too often, often players. Oh yes. I've gamed ju- under a few GMs that are masters at paranoia. And it just means that we're going to spend 45 minutes deciding how we're going to get into the building yeah. instead of just going for it. Oh man. I, we could definitely have a topic about that because, um, <laughs> I feel like as a player, that's frustrating as a, and as a GM, that's frustrating. It's a balance. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I think that a lot of times paranoia becomes so extreme that the players don't even trust anybody. Like if they get hired, (laughs) the employer must be corrupt in some way. I've seen that too. Not not by my means, yeah. but I've seen that from other GMs. I've been that player. <laughs> I, I mean, I have I have players who sit down and they immediately they're like, "Oh, you know, this guy's going to screw us," or this like, "Wait a minute here, mm-hmm. this is not the world." <laughs> like, like it makes sense in some games, mm-hmm. but in other games, you're like, "This is court. Yeah. You're all supposed to be allies here. This is this is like Camelot. You're well, mm-hmm. no, there's corruption Camelot, but like." <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine this is some sort of like upbeat TV show where everybody mm-hmm. likes each other. Yeah. And the enemies are outside the building. Yes. But no, the, sometimes that like the players just like, well, no, we can betray this person because they were going to betray us first. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, they're not necessarily an evil campaign. Yes. But they're kind of going that way. <laughs> That's definitely the paranoia is definitely another topic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because utilizing it as a GM is beneficial because it makes the players question their decisions, and that is a good thing. 
because that creates depth. Then they're not looking at the story as, I'm going to kill it, and then I'm going to take the treasure. I'm going to kill that. And then they start to, you know, okay, if you want to run a surface level hack and slash, but that's not the type of GM I am. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, because I've, I've ran so many games, I just, and, and honestly, I, I enjoy a good dungeon crawl. Mm-hmm. Um, it has its place. I, uh, I, I've said in the very first episode, I think that we would rotate whole game system. So mm-hmm. it was like every three to six months we're switching between, um, a white wolf style game to a D and D style game to a old school, um, what they call it, old school, like kind of basic D and D type game where it's, it's beyond basic. There's like no, nothing extra. It's just you, your six stats. Mm-hmm. And what do you do with your sword? Yeah. And there's not a lot of options for dialogue there. Cause there's no, <laughs> um, there's no skill system to support you getting what you want by words and it takes a lot of um a lot of trust between the players and the gm to say yeah i believe my character would trust what you say but then also ignoring the fact that like well your character is a dwarf and you're talking to an elf so basically no matter what you say that elf's not going to trust you Mm -hmm. there's like all kinds of crazy stuff when you go into a system that has no rules yes for handling social interaction and there's like no good, um, there's no way to roll dice to decide. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, but you might as well roll a D4 or D20 or D100 or flip a coin. And be- that's that's where the skills of a GM learning to weave those little decisions mm-hmm. become important. I actually like the, um, I like those old, uh, what they call the OGS or whatever, um, or OSG, yeah, OSG games that have no rules <laughs> mm. because it does really um it forces you to have these kind of tough conversations and pretty soon like because the combat's fast you either die or win off of a couple rolls there's not it's not like D 45 minute combat no no no. you're either gonna like like i've i've lost so many characters to wasps <laughs> <laughs> it's like when when they do one point of damage every round and you have no fire to like get rid of them, you just die. You just die. That's mm-hmm. it. It's and uh, apparently that's going to happen in the U.S. with. Uh, okay, with I was just going to say <laughs> Asian let's, killer wasps. Let's, let's not talk about the real world news now. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it just becomes interesting, and the GM has to uh, has to work harder. Mm-hmm. But that means that um, these these scenarios of the players just doing what they want is like it's something that gm should be ready to handle yes and um and should enjoy it i think yes so the third scenario is what if the player heads somewhere entirely off of the map (laughs) so you you fully fleshed out the town you know everybody who lives there you're thinking in your head the next three weekends we are going to do adventures in this town and then they're going to get on a boat and go to the next wherever. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they're going to go based off what they decide. And they're like, I don't trust this town. Let's get back on the boat and let's go mm-hmm. right now. Oh, I've had that. And how do you handle it? Well, you better make sure you have some impromptu 
scenarios ready. Um, sometimes I never want to railroad them back to the location, but sometimes I have had communications with them like, hey, I can throw something down, but it's not going to be as flushed out as I had it. So if you want to do that, that's fine. Like it's where I call a jam break. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like if you want to do this, that's fine. I'm not fully prepared, but we can work something out. I, uh, I think that's a great conversation that, um, I know. So I don't know how you run the table, but for me, there's definitely a certain amount of wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. I'm behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. I'm doing lots of magic <laughs> and the players don't know all of the work it takes to deliver a fleshed out, yes, not not just a fleshed out world, but also a story with like arcs and recurring villains and um, small bits of of lore yes. that the player that the, all the characters seem to know about and kind of drop little pieces of. Like it takes a lot of work to do that, mm-hmm. and I don't want them to know how much work it is because I want them to be immersed. Yes, but. I think that it is entirely fair, even in that kind of game, to say, hey guys, if you just want to play and you don't mind it being a little bit more crunchy than normal, Mm -hmm. then we can play the rest of the night, but then tell me where you're going to go or tell me what you're going to do and I'll have it more fleshed out. Exactly, yes. For the future. Or... If you want to give me a break, then we can play a board game. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great to have like easy, fast board games ready because sometimes people cancel and you're like, this game was going to be entirely around that person's character. Oh yeah, that's happened. Let's play role playing. <laughs> let's play a board game instead. Yeah. And that's fine. But um, giving the players that decision, not, not necessarily telling the players, because I think that I can always throw monsters mm-hmm. at the players. Um, there's also a cheat that I think is a great technique when they go from one location or they avoid one location. You're like, okay, you're going to head into the town and the guards, um, you know, they look at you and they seem unduly happy for you to, to be there (laughs) and they want you to come in and they say, Hey, no, like no cost. You can just come in. You don't have to pay anything. And then the player's like, Hell no. Let's get out of here. Let's go to the next town. (laughs) All right. Well, I can just lift up the entire contents of that town, minus the suspicious looking guards, get them into there, and then boom, the players don't know any the wiser. (laughs) Exactly. GM tricks. GM tricks. Um, If they kill the the captain of the guard that you never even said his name, (laughs) he was a lieutenant. And now the captain's still alive and pissed off that <laughs> his uh, his lieutenant was killed. The lieutenant never existed before. Mm-hmm. Now he does, and he's dead. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's where you really because um, I, I think you want the players immersed. You want the players yes. in their head, closing their eyes, imagining this is what I would do if I was a vampire. In this scenario, mm-hmm. this is how I would behave. And they behave that way. And 
you then have to close your eyes as GM and think, <laughs> okay, I'm the waitress in the tavern and they just said this to me and I, my brother owns the tavern. He knows about this stuff. I would answer or point him in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I role playing through this scenario and the players get to just be the vampire. Yeah. Just get be, the, just be the werewolf or whatever. But the GM has to be all the characters. Mm -hmm. And if suddenly while you're closing your eyes and you're like, okay, so I'm going to respond with this tidbit of knowledge that I didn't think the waitress knew, but since the waitress is the sister of the bartender who does know. You on the fly create these You links. start thinking about it. <laughs> and then suddenly the players is like, and then I bite her and I rip out her throat and I drink all her blood points and... And you're like, wait, what? The, the sister? The si no, I, what? Like, I already, like, I already started fleshing out this scenario. And now my character is dead. I this character. And, um, and if you like that, you have to really step back a moment and says, be like, I have, like, this player is a constant problem. He's mm -hmm. always doing this. He's always interrupting. No, no, no breathe and be like all right so the cook is the sister to the bartender <laughs> and knows this stuff <laughs> and it's never a bad idea like i said i do call a gm break where if they've thrown me off the books hey i need 10 to 20 minutes to refocus mm -hmm. and create something for you i just need that break and that's where my gambling games come in. I just give the players the gambling games and let them deal with that while I refocus everything. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's very fair. So, um, did you have another scenario you wanted to share? Uh, more like a little tip. Okay. So, with if one of my player characters inevitably always will be is a thief or likes to do these little things they like to steal things even innocuous things i take little notes and i add it to their character sheet that's in my binder and one of my player characters in the very first scenario stole the jacket of a passed out drunkard in the tavern that's innocuous that's nothing mm -hmm. and i spent six scenarios working on this storyline that Afterwards, that player, they ended up taking the drunkard with them on the first mission. He dies. They, the captain steals his coat. And one day he's in a marketplace and a young boy runs up to him, grabs that coat with his hands and says, how do you have my father's jacket? And I had built that very important thing from this tiny little thing that he yeah. did. Every time he stole something, I just make a note of it, put it in the book. And when the players do small things, uh, maybe they do something kind for the school teacher in town. means nothing. Yeah. However, later on, I can create, well, this rumor mill now. Those players are known to be kind, so somebody else will come to them with a quest. And it's those little tiny things. I make notes, I put it into their character sheets, and then I can look through that on my off time to try to come up with something to do with that. I think tracking those... Um those basically like non-role based mm -hmm. actions by the players and then 
responding the, to them in future games. And I think it's it's the most powerful if you can just I know you have, you have like a, you're a GM and you have a great idea and you're like this would be so clever like he stole the jacket and then <laughs> then the orphan's gonna ask like how'd you get it? It's so much more powerful when you wait. Yes. Two weeks, three weeks, a month. And he had already magically modified the jacket, so it was even better for me because he had no idea what I was planning. Yeah. And then the orphan ended up being a changeling slash mortal, so then they had to, they had to convince him to basically come with them on the ship. They never told him what actually happened to his yeah. father, <laughs> but it it created this little like tiny little thing that he didn't think I'd do anything with, but then yeah. I created something more with it. That's awesome. All right, so. I think, unless we have any final words, we end it right there. Yeah, I think right. we covered all the good points. I had a couple other stories, but that's okay. <laughs> Let's just end it there. Oh, yeah. So, um, all right, everyone. Make sure to either subscribe on your favorite podcast app or go to our website, behindthegmscreen.com. Yes, I sometimes can remember it. <laughs> Hopefully you can too. All right, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>